Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here, we have practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. Here's your host, Lillian Kerbick. And that was your other host, Will Romy. Let's talk about money. Talking about money is hard enough for many folks, let alone with your parents, where it can feel like a role reversal from childhood. If money wasn't discussed in your household growing up, it can be hard to figure out how to broach the discussion. But for many folks, taking care of family is at the type of, top of their priority list, and they need to know their parents' financial status. So how do you start the conversation? Today, we have Eric Brotman, president and managing principal of Brotman Financial Group, on to discuss this topic. Brotman Financial Group is an independent firm assisting clients with wealth creation, preservation, and distribution. Eric provides investment, retirement, estate, insurance, and comprehensive financial planning services for families and business owners. His most recent book, Retire Wealthy, The Tools You Need to Help Build Lasting Wealth on Your Own or with a Financial Advisor, was published in 2014. We're so excited to have you on. Thanks for joining us, Eric. Thank you, Lillian. Glad to be here. Yeah, so this is a tough topic, um, and a lot of folks have brought it up. We've talked about, like financial discussions with your partner, but with parents, it can be so much harder. How do you start having the conversation with your parents about their own retirement? Like, what kind of opener do you use for a conversation like that? I think first you have to tread lightly. Um, You know, parents are very covetous about their financial wherewithal. And a lot of times, what we find is that parents and older generations can sometimes be a little embarrassed to discuss um, the, the wealth they've amassed, or at least in their mind, haven't amassed. So we, we find that it's a conversation that needs to come up very much on purpose, but very lightly. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's say you see your parents every couple of weeks for dinner at their house. What, what would you say <laughs> to try to ha- have this conversation? By the way, I would like to know what your retirement assets are. <laughs> Well, it's funny, doing what I do for a living, I have had that conversation with my parents. My parents are divorced and both remarried, and, uh, and then I'm married, so I also have in-laws. So I, I've had this conversation three times with three very different experiences, um, just on a personal level. But for me, it was, hey, you know, this is what I do for a living. I'd love to take a look and see if, if, if all your T's are, are crossed and I's are dotted. For someone who's not in the business of doing this every day, I think it's more along the lines of uh, a conversation saying, hey... Mom and Dad, I met with my financial advisor, or I'm doing my financial planning, and one of the questions they asked me was, um, is there anyone in your family who could predictably cost you money or leave you money? And I couldn't answer that question lucidly. I wasn't sure. So it's a way to say, you know, I'd, I'd like to have a sense of what your plan looks like. I'd like to know if I'm a responsible party, 
Am I, am I uh, responsible for being your executor, for example? Um, have you named me in your health directive? If you get sick, where, where is everything? And, and so I'd just like to help make sure that, that when the time comes, uh, I'm as prepared as I can be to help as you need, need and want me to. Yeah, I know a lot of folks that, um, you know, a parent has passed and they realize, like, they don't even know what bank their parents bank with. And, you know, like trying to even just find the accounts ends up being really frustrating, let alone like a will or any sort of information like that. Um, So what kind of things do you need to ask your parents about? Like, where is your money is probably a good first step. Um, well, I, I just think, do you have a plan is actually even before where's your money? Because where's your money sounds like, hey, how do I get my greedy little hands on it? <laughs> right. And you want to avoid that uh, tone with your folks because they will then close the book real fast. Um, I, I think what you want to do is just find out, do you have a plan? Who are your advisors? And would it be okay if at some point I got to know them? Because that is a very non-threatening thing to say, hey, I'd like to meet your estate planning attorney so that I know when the time comes, I know who I'm calling. Or I'd like to know your financial advisor or stockbroker or, uh, or, or registered investment advisor or whatever it is. I'd like to know who you work with so that, again, when the time comes, if I'm asked to play any kind of role, I know who I'm talking to and I'm not a stranger to them and they're not a stranger to me. So what if they say, uh, I don't have one of those people, <laughs> like, I, I don't really have a plan, or you find out, like, oh, they've been DIYing it and maybe they've got it together, but they're there isn't really a person, an outside person in charge of it. Well, the, the first thing I would do at that point is I would say, you know, mom or dad or both, um, you know, I have, I have developed a plan for myself, and, and I see this as sort of an ongoing conversation for my own family and for my child. Um, is it something you'd be willing to explore either with my advisor or we're just working together on it? If you, you know, not every family is going to hire an advisor, and that's okay. Not every family needs one. But if you choose to do it yourself, is it something you can collaborate with with your folks? Would they be willing and open to that conversation? Yeah. All right. So, I mean, one of these big conversations for Americans is about health care, right? Because it's one of the biggest and most quickly ballooning costs for folks in, in old age, even for folks that have pretty decent savings. So what kind of expenses might folks stare down even once they hit Medicare age? Uh, you, you know, we spend about 50%. Uh, studies have shown we spend about 50% of the, the money that we spend on health care in the last six months of our lives, Ooh. which seems ridiculous when you think about it, but, but that, is the, that is the math. And so um, in that case, one thing you have to be concerned with, I mean, it can, be, it can be well into six figures. One of the things to concern yourself with is do you have assets that you're not going to outlive? Um, do you have assets that are set aside for health care? Do you have long-term care insurance or some other plan? Are assets titled properly? Um, and does your state have what's called filial laws? I don't know if you're familiar with filial laws. Filial spelled uh, F-I-L-I-A-L. But what filial laws do is essentially they make the grown children responsible for their parents' health care costs after death if the parents have run up a bill. And that becomes a very scary thing oh, for folks in their 40s and 50s. That's super scary. Um, how, how many states have those? Uh, almost half. Wow. Um, the biggest case that we've seen was in Pennsylvania, where there was, a, there was actually a, a family found to be responsible for their parents' care. Because what happens is a lot of times uh, your parents will go into an assisted living facility or nursing home or continuing care community, and they'll be in that facility and they'll eventually run out of money. And the facility will keep them there. That's part of the contract in, in a lot of these facilities. 
But while that's happening, they're keeping a tab on what you've run up. And then they have the ability and the opportunity, potentially, to come after the heirs once mom and dad die. So, so this is where long-term care insurance, which is, which is relatively new, right? Like long-term care insurance is only like less than 30 years old, I think. But this is where this can factor in, right? Yeah, it's, it's 25 or 30 years old. I was thinking relatively new. I, I guess relative is, a, <laughs> is the, the key word there. But um, long-term care is a big deal. And the way I approached it with my parents was very simple. I said, please, you need to have long-term care insurance. And if you're unwilling or unable to buy it, I would like your permission for me to buy it for you because my feeling is it will be less expensive for me to make sure that my parents have that than for me potentially to be footing the bill on the back end. Um, And in each case, I I said it a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I remember saying, Mom and Dad, you will have long-term care insurance if you can get it, or I promise you I'm going to bring it up every Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) That was just my sense of humor at work, but they got it. Um, and in cases where someone is not insurable, that requires other types of planning, too, some, uh, some additional legal planning at that point. So long-term care insurance, will it cover all of those end-of-life costs or just up to a certain point? It, it depends greatly. Um, like anything else, there's, a, there's a, a wide variety of options for long-term care. Um, I think the best contracts do cover all of the care at, at the moment where you can't perform what's called six, uh, two of your six activities of daily living. Um, so we're not talking about medical insurance. This doesn't replace Medicare or, or private insurance, retiree insurance. So if you're in a facility where you're expected to get better, that's still under your medical care. If you're in a facility where you are either on hospice or you are uh, essentially never going to recover from whatever condition it is, it's cognitive, for example, That's when the long-term care typically kicks in. So they're designed to be a one-two punch. Okay. So um, long-term care. I'm 30. Should I be getting this? Probably not. Um, You know, I I think we start looking at it when folks are around 45 years old, simply because in a lot of cases, long-term care contracts, very few of them, have guaranteed premiums, which means insurance uh, commissioners are constantly getting flooded by insurance companies saying, hey, we need to raise our premiums on these people because it's not a profitable book of business. Okay. So if healthcare keeps going up by 5% a year, you can expect long-term care to go up a lot. And if you're 30, you may not use it for 50 years, if ever. So, no, I don't think you should be acquiring that at this point. You should have it on your radar. You should be aware of it, maybe even saving for it. If you have a high-deductible health plan, you can put money in your HSA, and you can pool that money, let it grow tax-deferred, and then use the tax-free withdrawals to pay long-term care premiums later in life. That is good tax plan. We love HSAs on this show. We've talked about them a lot before. Um, I'm a big fan of them, although, unfortunately, I use mine up mostly each year. (laughs) I don't get accounted as Well, I've seen your budget. You made it public. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You can. Anybody can go look at at how much I put in my HSA every month on my website. Um, So long-term care helps cover some of that end-of-life care stuff, but... um, and, and those premiums can cost a lot, right? But they vary a lot by state. Well, they vary by state. They vary by age. In some cases, they vary by gender, although we're seeing less of that. Um, and, and that's because so women live longer, right? Well, right. And, and women not only live longer, they tend to take care of their husbands until the husbands die. Mm. So a lot of times the, the, the men who are you know, five or six or seven years older than their wives and who, and the women wind up having a period of 10 or 15 years of widowhood. 
Mm-hmm. And it's during that time that long-term care becomes the most critical in most cases. So I like long-term care that's joint between spouses more than anything uh, because it allows you to have a pooled benefit. The odds of both of you using it are not great. The odds of one of you using it are staggeringly high. Interesting. So if we've got long-term care insurance, um, I, you know, some of the other things that as you age that start kind of being bandied around are reverse mortgages and yep. um, annuities. Like, do reverse mortgages ever make sense? They do. I mean, it, reverse mortgages and annuities are like buzzwords for, for scare tactics. I mean, <laughs> people are horribly afraid of them because they just get, they, they get very, very poorly represented in the media. And a lot of that is because they're very poorly represented by a lot of salespeople who aren't fiduciaries. So <laughs> at the end of the day, it's, it, it's a two-way street. What I would say is that both annuities and uh, reverse mortgages are tools in your toolkit, and used properly, they can be helpful. Um, used in the wrong situation, they can be a disaster. For example, um, you, know, you take a 70-year-old couple and decide to do a reverse mortgage um, without asking important questions like, oh, do you intend your children to have this house when you're gone? Or how long do you want to be here? Can you age in place here? You know, it's, it's great to have a reverse mortgage on a property potentially where you don't have stairs, where you can have in-home care, where you're in a community where your family is. Right, but not maybe when you live in a tree house or a yurt or something like that. Yeah, I mean, well, we don't have a lot of those in Baltimore, um, <laughs> at least not yet. But I, I would say that there's, uh, there's, definitely, there's definitely a way to use them properly and plenty of ways to mess it up. And the same thing's true with annuities. Uh, used properly, they can be incredible tools for defense and for income and so forth. But used improperly, they're wildly expensive and very complicated. Thanks for joining us, Eric. Thank you, Lily. Our producer is Will Romy, and our intro music is by Aaron Parecki. I'm Lillian Kerbake, your personal finance educator and host. Thanks for listening. Until next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you. X-Ray. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.